0: It's time for the Say Hey Podcast, your San Francisco Giants podcast for the real ones, available wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Say Hey Podcast and like our page on Facebook. It is episode 82 of the Say Hey Podcast. This is Doug Hayes, a.k.a. Say Hey Doug. It is August 16th, 2022. First, bring in my co-host as always, Say Hey Rob. Happy Tuesday, brother. How's it going? Happy Tuesday, Dougie. Uh, good to good talk to you. It's been a good, uh, good couple days for our
2: San Francisco Giants. You know, as soon as we get like one step out, they kind of start pulling us back in. like They're, they're keeping gonna, us around. Like they're actually going to do something. But no, I, I don't think you and I are uh, quite a... All hands on deck yet yeah, with this uh, this little hot streak they're on. But hey, last couple of days have been cool. We got Steve Mass and Bubb last night. Oh, we yeah. Always go to see Mad Bum back at Oracle. Uh, yeah. And then he helped with the Giants out last night, throwing a couple of lollipops to to, to the boys. But that's uh, super excited about our, our guest tonight, though. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, winners of four straight Giants are back over 500 to 58 and 57. They're still like five and a half out of that wild card. Only <laughs> 22 and a half now back in the Los Angeles Dodgers so uh but yeah we you know we love having we're bringing Kevin Cunningham back on from Giant Futures uh we love having him on this is like our third time I think we've had Kevin on to talk prospects so Kevin first of all good evening how's it going welcome back Kevin
1: Uh, thank you it's been going great at least the Giants are beating up on the bad team so gotta enjoy that while it lasts yeah and we'll, we'll take it right absolutely so, talk about
0: before we kind of get into you know our topics we want to discuss tonight. Um, you know what's what's been your experience this season so far following the Giants farm system? Have you been able to go to a decent amount of games? How, how are you following? What's going on with that?
1: I admit this year it's been more of a virtual thing for me. Uh, had to deal with some medical stuff at the start of the year, so no getting out and everything. I did make a great trip up to Eugene. Luckily, it was not as hot as it was last year when I was there. And uh, I gotta admit, you know, Eugene's really had the most exciting team at times this year. There have been a lot of exciting players. And even though I missed Marco, there's still a lot of other guys on there who are interesting to watch, whether they're succeeding or in some cases not succeeding at all.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely you see the you know the box scores and and guys who are performing with it throughout the system. And a lot of it has been at that high a Eugene level. So definitely exciting time for the Emeralds and the, and the folks in Oregon. So um, I, I wanted to get it. I, I wanted to come off starting hot with a big name in the Giants <laughs> prospect system. I want to talk about Randy Rodriguez. He is currently in Sacramento with the river cats. Um, you know, hasn't had the greatest of years statistically, but a uh, big strikeout guy will walk guys does Randy Rodriguez have a shot at making this bullpen for the Giants out of camp next year
1: uh the answer is sure he absolutely does the Giants have been very aggressive with the guys that they promote to the 40-man roster f- to pr- uh, protect from the rule five and they did that with Randy um obviously the rule five wasn't an issue in that case uh but you look at what they did with Camila Duvall uh Castro Kravine Castro Gregory Santos and all of them at, or uh, excuse me Doval and Santos got that ultra-aggressive push like they sent him to the majors in April last year, and they sucked at that mm-hmm. point. They, it, w- it was really aggressive. Um, I think they may have learned a couple of good lessons, both the pitchers and the Giants. Uh, but I think you'll see that with Rodriguez as well. But Rodriguez has had such a crazy year. So since he was on the 40, because of the um, lockout, he wasn't able to work with the team during the offseason And he actually came into camp a little out of shape, uh, kind of unprepared, which was interesting. And then they tried to convert him to starting, which he did okay at. He wasn't getting a lot of – he wasn't going deep into games, but he did all right. And then at the start of July, they just said, okay, you're a reliever again. And, I mean, he just absolutely dominated after they put him back in relief. Uh, 6.1 innings of relief in Eugene, 14 strikeouts, one walk. And they said – You're ready. Go to go to Richmond. Uh, He struggled a bit more since he's gone to Richmond. He he got six games there and now he's up in Sacramento, but he's got the stuff. They really like his stuff the same way they like Duvall's. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them try to give him a chance, especially if he can even the ship, have a good offseason and come out strong in spring training next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had 13 starts in Eugene. And do you think, though, at the big league level with the struggles the bullpens had this year, that was a big reason why they said, hey, we may need to rush you and put you back in the pen?
1: I think that may have been part of it. I also think uh, Kravine Castro's surprise struggles in Sacramento also led to that a bit. And Castro, I think everyone was expecting to have some role in the bullpen this year. Same yeah, and, I, and I, I don't know what happened. He's one of several guys who just have had mystery fall-offs this year. Obviously, they've waived him. Uh, he's now, I think, with the Cubs. I think they actually put him in the majors a couple of weeks ago. Yes, uh, which is pretty crazy. He's, he's having his struggles there as well. It's sad to see him go, but I think they were thinking the same thing with Rodriguez. My guess is the reason they had him starting was they were saying, "We want you to get as many innings as possible." So we're going to put you in this role where he's doing double the innings. He'd normally do in relief and see how he did. And he, he handled it pretty well. All things considered.
2: Yeah. It's crazy how life comes at you pretty fast, man. Kirby Castro makes the roster postseason roster over Johnny Cueto last year. And bam, now he's not even with the organization anymore. That's crazy how that goes, goes down. But Hey, Kevin, I want to get to Hunter Bishop a little bit. Oh, with his injuries and, you know, he's, he's still uh, still hanging down there in, in high A right now. Where do you think the organization stands on Hunter Bishop right
1: now? Oh, well, I mean, if I had my camera on, you'd see me doing a big shrug right now because it's really <laughs> – I mean, he was the team's first first-round pick, and I don't think anyone disagreed with the pick at the time. Like, no. he was rated right the rest spot. He kind of fell maybe one or two spots. He's a local kid. Everything made sense for the Giants to take him. And as much as I may be critical about the current front office, it's hard to blame them for what's been going on with Hunter because obviously he's had some chronic injuries. We don't know all the details about them. Uh, I do know what's going on. Of course, right now is he's recovering from oblique injury. He's missed a few weeks. He just started his rehab last night in Arizona. I mean, it's hard not to like Hunter Bishop because he has legit power. And he has legit speed. He's going to finish this season despite his struggles probably with 20 home runs and 20 steals. He's arguably the best defender uh, in the outfield in the minor league system. He's got all of those raw tools that give him sort of a high floor. It's just a matter of can he stop swinging at curveballs that he has no chance of hitting and really wait for the pitches that he wants. And the Giants are giving him a lot of leeway this year because obviously it took him some time to get back to game speed to really start, um, you know, seeing the ball well. And when you start to see it in June where he got a little hot again, he was hitting a bit more, but still just 260, which is not what you want to see from a first round pick in high A. So we'll see. They're going to give him every shot. I mean, he's got first round pedigree, which means he's got first round forgiveness for struggles A has. Um, but they may start pushing him and saying, you know, hey, you you need to really start putting it together. I don't think he's gonna get protected on the rule five draft this this fall. At least he shouldn't be, because there's not a damn chance that there's a team team's gonna say, we want this guy in the major leagues for an entire year and have him taken up a 25 man spot, unless they're hoping he goes on the DL, which is a pretty crappy thing for a team to do.
2: Yeah, definitely. That that's man, like that's that's a really good point. It's it's so frustrating though. Like when he, when he's out there, yeah, he's you know, he's hit for power. He he's swiping bags. Like he's doing all, all the stuff that, that the Giants thought he would do. But man, yeah, the best ability is is availability for sure. And yeah, it's kind of frustrating with him right now, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, I still have hope. Oh, sorry. No, uh, you're good. Go hope. ahead. I think out of all of the Giants' first round picks under Zaidi, he's still the guy that has the best child best chance to really make an impact, just because. He's got all the raw physical tools. And if he gets healthy, I think he can put it together.
0: Yep, big decisions uh, this December where the Giants need to protect guys they feel are, are worth, you know, making sure, sticking around. Um, you know, this next guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Kevin. His name's Marco Luciano. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but I, I, we know he can swing the bat. You know, we, we know all that. I want this is something I've like been become passionate about this season. Um is he going to stick at shortstop or go somewhere else because you know, I I've I've kind of gotten into some debates whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, uh, you know, and I'm on the shortstop bandwagon uh with Luciano. I want to know where you stand on this. What where is he going to be?
1: Well, let me say two things right up front. Will he move off of shortstop? Eventually, yes, but I think he's going to make the majors as a shortstop. Okay. Um, he he has really worked his tailbone off to improve. The organization absolutely believes in him in shortstop. And uh I think he's gonna stick there. Now he before his injury, obviously, uh he was playing at Eugene. And here's something not a lot of people know about Eugene Oregon. It's a complete astroturf field, like even the infield, it's not dirt. The only yeah. dirt is on the pitching mound. Mm-hmm. And despite that, uh, when he was playing, he only had four errors in uh, 276 innings, which is a .957 fielding percentage, which is not elite, but it's certainly not bad. Good. Yeah. Um, he, he's scooping up the balls that he gets to. You're not seeing him make a lot of misplays. And the best part is his throws have gotten a lot better. You know, he's not thrown as many into the dirt um, or... And, his case the turf up at Eugene and that's kind of what you need because not every team's going to have belt definitely when he comes up he's not going to have a vacuum cleaner like belt at first base and you know considering who he's had at first this season uh he's done a good job of getting the ball to the guy that needs to catch and not making him have to make a play and that's something you see with a lot of shortstops you know a lot of them can get away with those balls in the dirt he might not be able to
0: okay so you you're Kind of confirming what I think, because my my counter argument to all the and I understand, yeah, maybe down the road after he's gotten to the show, if it's not working out, move on from there. Sure. But I agree. I, I think once he gets to the major leagues, he will be a shortstop to begin with. And, you know, in today's age, day and age with social media and videos of literally everything going around, my counter argument for everything is. Well, one, we have not seen Marco Luciano take ground balls or fly balls anywhere else except shortstop. And if they did, then we would see that or hear about it. It would be reported everywhere. So I I understand that, but um, I don't know. That's just kind of frustrating to me. And I know that Casey Schmidt's been getting some run at short this year um, and, and he's done fine. But I, I have a feeling Casey Schmidt, and I know Rob will talk about him a little bit or I will. Uh that he could be like elite defensively a third in, in the show. But yeah, it's just it's been frustrating kind of seeing all these presumptions that Luciano's just gonna magically go somewhere else when he's been doing shortstop things the whole time he's been in the organization. So I'm pretty passionate about it. Sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, you you are absolutely right, and what it comes down to is it doesn't matter what we think, it doesn't matter what some of the loudmouths on Twitter or Reddit or whoever else they're posting on say. The organization believes in him in shortstop. When they say that, that's not just Kyle Haynes talking out of his other hole. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. They mean it. And might that change in AAA if he starts having problems uh, with harder hit balls at that level? Maybe. But at this point, they're saying shortstop.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, we saw with A-Rod. We saw with Omar Garcia-Para. I mean, a not putting Marco Luciano in there, but hey, it's it happens, right? I mean, that's that's what we can go with. But, uh, yeah, Kevin, I want to get to you about uh Grant McRae. What do you think is keeping him in San Jose right now? I feel like he's a lot like Vaughn Brown. I feel like he's done enough to move up. Vaughn Brown obviously got, got the call, Grant McRae didn't. What do you think is keeping Grant McRae down in San Jose right now?
1: Oh, that's a good question, and I love McRae. I love the fact that he's finally had his breakout season, which I think we're all waiting for last year. Um, he's definitely been one of the better stories in the Giants organization this year, but there's basically two things that are keeping him down there. First of all, it's roster issues. Eugene's got a loaded outfield. I mean, when Bishop's healthy, he's there. You've got Luis Matos. You've got Jairo Pomeris. You've got uh, Vaughn Brown, who, again, you know, I think we'll talk about him in a bit. You got Carter Williams up there now, too, who hasn't exactly been nothing. That's a crowded outfield, and none of those guys are necessarily pounding the door to get to double-A, except maybe Brown. And even at double-A, you got Diego Rincones, you got Armani Smith, you got their new guy Peters, you got uh, Michael Gilotti, who's probably a good organizational soldier, but he's a good organizational soldier in double-A. So that's part of it. But there's another part that I think we're missing on Grant McRae, and that is... He is one of the minor league leaders in strikeouts right now. Um, He's got 138 strikeouts and 470 plate appearances, which is one every 3.4 PAs. And he only walks once every 8.7. And San Jose, it's now in low A. This is a fastball league, and he's still striking out like that. Now, he's hitting extremely well. So when he hits, he's making great contact and he's productive. But I think they want him to cut down those strikeouts before he really uh, pushes his way up the ladder because he's going to face more breaking balls and so forth. And that could be a struggle. Uh, he's improved a little bit as August has moved on, uh, but hasn't moved the needle too much uh, in August. It's about one K every four plate appearances, so slightly better. But I think they're going to keep him down there. They're not going to rush him. They're just going to say, work on these strikeouts and we'll see about putting a rocket pack on you next year.
2: Yeah, no, you make a good point about uh, yeah, all the roster with the outfielders kind of jammed up there and uh, high a and double A right now. Uh, hopefully, yeah, cuts out on the on those strikeouts. Yeah, makes move up.
0: Thirty-five yeah, steals this year too. Yeah, Thirty-five steals. That yeah,
2: man, that's a standard. Thirty-five steals, man. And the and the organization who's not big on stealing bags.
0: I mean, that's you know sticks out like a sore, sore thumb a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh. You know, I, I kind of brought up Casey Schmidt a little bit ago, and I'm going to have the same kind of question that I did with Luciano. Uh, he's having a great year. He's hitting. He's in Richmond now. Um, we know that Casey Schmidt is a really, really good third baseman, um, but he has been getting some more run at shortstop lately, and I know this kind of conflicts with what I was just talking about, but, you know, this is something the Giants can worry about down the road. Um is he a future third baseman, you know, potentially when he gets to the major leagues or is he panning out actually to be more shortstop oriented?
1: He's a third baseman. Uh, Let's be blunt. The only reason why he's playing, he was playing shortstop at Eugene was Luciano got injured Yep, and they needed someone. And it made most sense for Schmidt to move over to shortstop because there were roster issues there. You had, Carter Aldrete and Luis Toribio who were kind of taking turns at third base and first base who are corner infielders. And by moving Schmidt over to shortstop, he could handle it. And it gave him some experience there, which is not a bad thing for a guy who's going to be carrying his defense or riding his defense up to the bigs. Uh, but he doesn't have the lateral quickness you want out of a shortstop. He's not going to cover as much range. Gotcha. He's got a little bit of a bigger body. Uh, I mean, he, again, he gets to every ball, uh, or at least he picks up every ball he gets to. He gets those throws. He's got more than a strong enough arm for either of those positions on the uh, left side of the infield. But when he got to Richmond, it was immediately right back to third base. And that's the only place he's played in a small sample size so far there. And there's not really a shortstop that's demanding playing time at, in, in Richmond right now. I mean, right now it's Tyler Fitzgerald. And I like Tyler, like, there's a utility player inside Tyler with his power and st- stuff, but sure. he's also been striking out a lot of double-A. And I think they'd put Schmidt in that position if they preferred him there and let Fitzgerald play second base. That's not what they've done. They've put him at third and they've stuck him at third. And so, yeah, that kind of looks like what the plan they've got. So listen to the organization. They're telling you where they think he's going to play.
0: I'm with you. I I think that he his future is at third because he is a phenomenal third baseman. I mean, you know, those don't come around as often as they they used to anymore. And, you know, he's also hitting the ball very well this year. I know, like you just said, he just recently got called up. I think he only has like five games in Richmond, but had a really good year at the plate, too, um, in Eugene. So showing the power um and, and a decent walk rate so yeah i'm excited about casey schmidt i'm 100 on board with you kevin Th- third baseman um excited for his future I, I i believe he could be definitely one of the guys that makes it no doubt i mean
2: yeah. and doug and i know I mean, we saw casey, casey schmidt i think uh at least three or four times last year
0: sounds like uh, yeah.
2: yeah yeah playing for sounds like yeah, here in stockton he looked very crisp and along with Lucy Luciano at shortstop yeah, Schmidt looked very comfortable over there, and then that's, that's obviously a very uh, small sample size what we saw, but yeah, very impressive in, in those outings for sure. But uh, Kevin, I, I got to get to you. We kind of alluded to it earlier, but Vaughn Brown is kind of simple here. Is he the real deal? Is he going to keep tearing it up?
1: Oh man, I get more questions about Von Brown this year than anyone else uh, on social media. I bet, and <laughs> and I mean, on one hand, I want to say, look, I mean, this is the highest drafted hitter that they took in the 2021 draft. Although that was the 10th round, so you know, all the pitchers,
2: yeah. yeah, all the pitchers, <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it is too early to say on Von Brown. Uh, let, let's be honest with him. He has torn up single A. Uh, and the numbers are pretty crazy. Like you look at them right now in San Jose, he hit 346 with a 1.063 OPS. Right now in Eugene, in uh, about 20 less games, he's hitting 341 with a 1.047 OPS. That's co- amazing consistency in terms of that production. He's combined for 41 steals and 47 attempts. I mean, he's hitting home runs, he's hitting doubles. Um, but, but, This is a guy who was a senior uh, draft. He played for a division two school. So he didn't have a lot of experience, but he is older than the single A leagues. He just turned 24 in late June. And I mean, he's beating up this competition, which is what you'd want, but you don't want to make too big of a promise on him yet. Just because, you know, we've seen a lot of guys who just absolutely nail it in single A And then that jump to double A can be tough. And he is going to have to uh, prove himself before anyone starts stamping him with something like a real deal. That being said, there's a lot to like about him. He plays hard. I got to tell you, he's Hunter Pence. He looks like Hunter Pence. He looks like Hunter Pence and Grant Frisbee had a kid who's playing baseball. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's goofy. (laughs) He's He's all legs. He hustles his ass off. He's always got a weird look on his face. Um, the photos I was taking in Eugene of him are just absolutely amazing. But let me tell you the one thing that I saw of him in Eugene that makes me say that the Giants believe in him. And I think there's a lot to like. And that is, uh, I was there for a week in Eugene. The final day I was there, he had the day off, except he didn't have the day off. They had him coaching first base. <laughs> And, I mean, maybe the regular first-base coach was off and whatever, and they often have players coach first-base. That's not the weirdest thing in the world. But you're talking about a guy who at that point was still just in his second week at the level with the team. He hadn't been there to be, like, the veteran guy who's earned the trust, but the coaches felt enough about him to put him out on the field and have him kind of play in that sort of a role. And that's the that's one thing, like, I see those things, that says – this organization really likes him and I think we'll see Brown go pretty deep.
0: do the, the only thing I, I look at and yeah, he's I mean, I, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a ton of this video of this guy. Um in We Brown, kinda but, missed him, Doug. You know, yeah, kinda kinda missed I, yeah, him. Yeah, we did, we did. I mean we, he's we missed him. Yeah. But like he's you know, in in San Jose this year he had a four thirty-nine Babip and now he has a four thirty Babip in in Eugene. I mean like this really sustainable
1: <laughs> that's a big question and i mean you know it's it's like they say you know good luck is something that happens to the guys that are working hard and the best prepared and that's the kind of thing you see out of von brown um he's got that high babbitt because quite frankly he's hustling on every ball move. that's hit yes and so he, he's he giving on base more he definitely does. And <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's hilarious. And, and I mean, he's going to be the kind of guy that I think giants fans will love. I don't want to stamp him as the real deal yet, but he's absolutely been my favorite guy to watch this season.
0: Okay. Excellent. I, I have like two combined questions here and I know that I formatted this very poorly and I apologize, <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, let me let me kind of mix this up. I'm sure you can you can run with me on this. I want to talk about sure. more of the lower level guys, Patrick Bailey and Will Bednar. Should we be worried okay. about them right now?
1: Um, well, okay, let me say Bednar first. The answer is yes, you should. okay. Um Bednar's velocity's been down from what we saw in college. And that had quite a bit to do with his results uh, that we've seen this year. Now, also, his control's been off. He was a legitimate danger to the other team in his uh, season debut this year. I think he hit four guys, if I remember right. I don't have I, it in front of me. I believe you're in that, yeah. Oh, yeah, I that's believe- right. Yeah. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I mean, and it wasn't intentional. Like, he wasn't angry. He just <laughs> couldn't, he didn't know where the ball was going. Uh, but luckily, he wasn't like full Charlie Sheen. He was more like the old guy in Major League who's trying to put Vaseline on the ball with Charlie Sheen's control. Um, that was pretty <laughs> much what you had uh which i mean you know you don't want to see it out first round guy and it's like loved will bednar's you know repertoire you love what you saw of him in the college world series last year but he's one of a few guys who just saw velocity drops this year and i'm not gonna speculate i'm not gonna first of all i'm not saying steroids i'm not even hinting steroids because quite frankly that's not how they work um but something's weird that a lot of the guys have had drop velocity. I'm going to say another name, second round pick, Matt Mikulski.
0: Yes. Yeah, huge
1: drops from the way they were scouted. Yes. So, yeah, it, we don't, I don't know if it's mechanical. I've had a lot of discussions with some of the other prospect hounds uh, about this, and we don't know, but it is something to worry about, it's something to keep an eye on. As far as Bailey, whether or not you should worry about him, well, to worry about someone means you got to have hope about them. And um, yeah, no, uh, I have never heard scouts and prospect hounds talk as negatively about a first round pick as I have about Patrick Bailey. Wow.
0: Um, hey.
1: And I will not pass along some of the words that have been said by scouts.
0: Oh man. Um, <laughs>
1: You're good. I respect that. It's fine. (laughs) But Patrick Bailey has the physical tools you want in a defensive catcher. And obviously, if you can play defensive catcher, you've got a really high floor. And he's got the right kind of body. He's smaller. He's not going to kill his knees as he plays. When he's trying hard, um, he is going to get to balls that are thrown around him. He's going to pick him up clean. He's got a strong arm. He can have a very aggressive arm trying to uh, catch – base runners pick them off catch them stealing but there have been some serious questions about his effort and attitude this year hmm. um and that's not a good thing because if you're going to be a catcher you can't be an asshole um I don't know how EJ Przinski got away with it as long as he did <laughs> I was gonna say that Kevin but you need me to it no, you went yeah, right keep, to rob right, house yeah, keep, keep going keep going <laughs> I'll, I'll just say it was, there's another p word that people have been using about him not Piersonsky, but Yikes. that's the kind of thing that is really scary. Now, luckily, this is the kind of stuff that you can grow at. Joey Bart had a little bit of an attitude issue when he was at low A ball and trying to work his way through. And of course, he had a lot of pressure put on him. But the difference was was that even when Joey Bart would have these reports of being disagreeable and hard to connect with, he still put in the work. Yeah. And he also put in the work on his attitude. And now, you know, when pitchers are talking that they love working with him, they're not lying. He has become better at that. And that's great. And maybe we could see something like that change with Bailey. But the other side of Bailey is he doesn't hit anything like Bart. And um, at this point, again, you're talking first-round pick hitting the way he is in high A, not what you want to see. So there's a lot of changes that, that need to happen with Bailey. But like I said, I have not heard as much negative talk about a high round pick like him in a long time.
0: Now I want to keep this negative train going. Uh, oh man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: well, 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 you know, it, it, Hey,
0: you've been on a couple of times, you know, Rob and I tell it like it is, and we are, we're realists here, but yeah, we're talking about other worries here, kind of big names just to check on, check in on these guys. And this is a check-in episode. I mean, it's August they've had, a pretty good portion of the season done. I mean, there's a month and a half left. Big time, you know, prospect has been ranked as high as like two, I believe, over the last year or so. Luis Matos, Elliot Ramos, and Sean Jelly. I know I'm throwing a lot of names at you. I apologize. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, these three guys, and then then we'll wrap it up with that. But uh, Matos, Ramos, and Jelly, other guys should be, be worried about.
1: Uh Matos is definitely a worry right now. Um, a lot of people are talking about him as maybe even being a better prospect than Luciano, yeah, after last season. And what he's done this year is a huge surprise. Usually, guys who do good at San Jose or at least in low A will do good at high A, and then double A is where the wall hits. Sure. Uh so to see Matos the way he's been this year, he's looked like a different player. Um, when he was in San Jose. He's a confident player. He's definitely an aggressive player. You could see some frustration here or there when things weren't going well, but mostly he was able to work out of it. When I saw him in Eugene, uh, end of June, early July, uh, he looked tentative at the plate. He was not following through with his swings. He was kind of swinging late. It just looked like a player who was second-guessing himself. Uh, What I've heard from other people who saw him most recently, especially uh, Roger Munter, who was just out in Eugene a little while ago, Uh, He says that that's kind of changed. Now he's swinging more confidently. And certainly in the last couple of weeks, you've seen the production pick up. Uh, He hit very well over the last couple of weeks. You've seen the power return in late July, which is good. Uh, But now he's being much more aggressive and missing those curve balls. And of course, one of the things about Matos and the key thing about him that made him so popular in San Jose was his ability to make contact and make good contact. He just hasn't done that this year, uh, at least until recently. Hopefully, what we've seen the last about month or so is going to be that turnaround point. We're going to see him hopefully finish this season strong, and we'll see what happens. There's still a lot to like about him. I don't think you're going to see him drop off of prospect list like a couple of other guys have this year. But, yeah, it's worrisome to see these troubles, especially down here at high A. And, you know, part of it might just be, It's Oregon. It's the Northwest in the, you know, his, you know, second full year. I've heard some people say, and I'm very careful about this because I don't want to sound like I'm making any stereotypes. I have heard people say that some members uh, coming from international communities have had problems because Mm. it's colder, it's rainier. And there's also a lot less people who will speak Spanish if they are trying to get out in the community as you would in a place like San Jose or Good California. Point. Yeah, for Good um, point. You know, and the, you know, these cultural things are difficult to talk about. And yeah, I'm a white guy. I don't want to <laughs> be putting words in any mouths. Like sure. I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but we need to consider that there might be some cultural issues that they are facing. Yeah. Is that a thing? I've got no idea. And at this point I'm, I am throwing out random guesses, but there's a lot to like about mottos. And my end point is, it's not a point to give up on him yet or think that this is the real mottos we're going to see something different i think he's going to do better uh, with another year under his belt
0: and he does they uh, they, they will have to make a decision on him in this december he is rule five eligible this december so right.
1: yeah that's a tough one because he's got a lot of talent you kind of want to protect him
0: yes but you it, you it, gotta
1: ask is this a guy that's going to stay in the majors all year
0: exactly right yep.
1: right right and I'm, if we get to it, I've got words to say about Farhan when it comes to rule fives. But anyways. Oh, we'll let you. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you can say whatever wherever you want, man. <laughs> uh,
1: but let's, let's get to Elliot Ramos. Um, I got no idea. He is just hacking at Sacramento. Um, all the advances in plate discipline we saw over the last couple of years have just seemed to disappear from him this year. And it's really hard to tell what's going on. Now, uh, he's been out for a few days. Both him and Von Brown have been out the last few days. I got yeah. no idea what's going on. Uh, he might have retweaked his knee. We'll see. Hopefully we'll see him come back. But it's just been a weird year for him. He started off really nicely. And I don't know if this is the thing gone, but it's, it's something I was kind of surprised the Giants did. They called him up after a really hot start, after like the first about week of the year. Mm-hmm. They called him up to the majors because a reliever went on the um, – Eternity, right? Bereavement. Not, or not bereavement. Or was it bereavement? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, bereavement. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. But it meant that there wasn't going to be a spot for a long time. It seemed weird to bring up an outfielder for a reliever. And after that, Ramos was out of whack. And he's never been able to get back in whack. Now, being good for a week doesn't mean much. And maybe he would have been out of whack anyway. But it's one of those things I look at. like It feels like you messed up a guy's rhythm who – really just needs his rhythm, and while getting him his major league debut is a great thing, that day would have come one way or another. That didn't seem like the best time to bring up in my personal opinion. Yeah. I, I am not a player development guy, so it's hard to say, but I look at those things. I don't know if that's the causation of what's going on, but you see a connection there. Um jelly, let's talk big league call-ups call with jelly. Um, since his last big league call-up, which was back in Miami, and you probably remember it, it was not great, mm-hmm. uh, he went back down to the minors, and his control just disappeared since then. Uh, let me see if I can bring this up real fast, but he literally was having solid control all year long, and then in like the five starts that have happened since he uh, had that call-up, uh, he has walked, where is it, 18 walks and 27.2 innings, which is nearly double the walk rate that he had the rest of the season before that. Again, it's hard to say whether or not that call-up had anything to do with it, but something certainly seemed to have changed. Um, obviously, a lot of people are down on Jelly. I'm one of the highest guys on him other than his actual physical height, but... <laughs> You st- I still see a starter in what he's got. He's not going to be a dominating starter. He's a back-of-the-rotation guy. But quite frankly, uh, Zaidi can't find a new random pitcher to pull off the trash heap and stick in and do four or five of them every single year. At least having a consistent guy would be nice. I still see that for Jelly, but he's got to turn around. And it's going to start with getting his control, and then he's got to stop a as much contact as he has been at least hard contact.
0: Thank you for your loaded question responses. I appreciate that. That, <laughs> yeah, th-
2: that was pretty loaded. Uh, hey, hey, Kevin, this is this is kind of a broad question. Like, I, it's kind of tough to answer. I'm sorry about this. But I, I, I really have to ask, uh, do, do you think that the, that the Giants' prospects are kind of being negatively impacted by far on essentially using Sacramento as a spot for, for lack of a better term, 4A? type players like fringe big leaguers with past experience do you think
1: they're negatively being impacted by that um it can be an impact it can block rosters but let's be honest there haven't been a lot of guys have been breaking down the door from richmond to get to sacramento very true and the the guys who have been like david vr have made it um so i don't think that's as big a deal um definitely it can be an issue and it's definitely frustrating when guys who have been working within the system are being passed on for, you know, whatever the waiver draft pick of the week has been. Uh, Kevin Padlo, you know, um, <laughs> Michael Pe- Peppers, yeah. You know, whichever guy you want to grab off the Seattle Mariners roster, or excuse me, the Tacoma <laughs> Rainiers roster for some reason. Yeah. And then give him back. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it is something that makes you wonder because Sacramento has definitely been waiver wire home. Uh, the Rivercats have been one of the top three teams in the league, both in terms of the number of hitters who have gotten at least one at bat with them, as well as the number of pitchers who have pitched. That pitcher number is a little stacked because it includes position players, which the, I think Sacramento has been a little bit more aggressive in using, but tells you how many guys they've been getting. But I think a lot of it's also just this whole I, have, I don't know if Zaidi's building a team with filling the roster with the players they need. Um, they, they traded Dubon for Papierski. I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but hey, he's not Papierski, with the organization yeah. anymore. Um, but then they waive him and then they get a couple of catching injuries and then it's like, well, let's see if your mean Mercedes can catch. No, 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 no. He's a nice hitter. Don't get me wrong, but no. Um, they saw this kind of desperation for another catcher. You get wins in, who's been he's been doing a good job. But then a few weeks later, you've got that shortstop problem. Crawford's down, Estrada gets a concussion, and for whatever reason, they didn't want to go with some of the guys they had in the minors, especially San Diaz, which kind of surprised me because he's on the 40. Or yep. no, he's not on the 40, but he's not, they could have yeah. put him there. Uh, And they go and make a random, uh, again, felt like a desperation trade to get Dixon Machado just have a body that can play shortstop all while there's lots of calls on the team about not enough defense and all that. And it's just, it's been fascinating to kind of watch the giants suddenly go into these desperation modes, that stuff at the end of April and early May trying to get corner infielders, which led to all those trades just constantly with these guys coming from the Mariners, especially for some reason, yeah, weird. was just wild to watch. And it was just like, did they not build the 40 with an idea of like, hey, these are the guys who are the backups that we might need and have those guys in place. But Zaidi likes his roster turn. He likes to catch a guy on waivers, let him see what he can do in two weeks and then try to waive him again and see if he can pass through waivers a second time, right. which quite frankly, if you need to trade cash to get a player, because you're afraid he's going to get picked up on the waiver wire before he gets to the Giants. He's not going to pass through waivers a second time. So yeah. Um, and then you got the rule five stuff. You look at you look at these guys who get put on the rule five draft in very aggressive ways, or put on the 40-man roster to be protected from the rule five, really aggressively. Like last year, Duval absolutely should have been protected. I can see a good argument for Gregory Santos. Mm-hmm. Kraveen Castro had last pitched, admittingly in 2019, in short A baseball. That is like the lowest level before the rookie league. Some people still call it a rookie league. He had no experience pitching above that. And for some reason, the Giants thought because he had a nice instructional league, there was going to be some team that would try to pick him up and keep him on the roster all year long. So they put him on the roster. They kind of rushed him up. He had a good year last year. He really worked his way through some problems in AAA at the start of the year to really become effective. But then he's staying on the roster, and as he has problems this year, he just becomes another roster casualty. And with what's going on this year, like uh, there's another one, Canario. He really shouldn't have been protected. There was a lot of expectations on him, but he was a guy who was in... Uh, who was going to low A baseball? There was no way he was going to last an entire team on a major league team. There was no reason to use that roster spot on him, in my opinion. But they did, and those things all continue to happen. So I'm really scared about letting anxiety pick out the guys who they're going to protect this year, because they may say, "Yeah, we're going to protect Vaughn Brown," or "We're going to protect." you know Manuel Mercedes for some reason you know especially after the year he's had right. yeah and try to rush them up because they've got good stuff rule 5 picks have to stay on the major league roster for a full year to stay with their team yes most teams are not going to risk it and especially this year there's going to be essentially double the number of people available in the rule 5 draft for the first time I don't think the Giants need to be as aggressive about protecting their guys because, quite frankly, most of the low-level guys have sucked. They're not going to really be at a high risk of getting picked or a high risk of sticking. And definitely they should not be protecting these young uh, position players because pitchers are the guys who are most likely to get picked.
2: Makes sense.
1: And honestly, the guys, you know, Cole Waits, yeah, this is a guy you should protect because he's he's getting close to that doorstep, uh, doorstep. Excuse me, doorstop. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> um, but a lot of those guys, especially those low way guys, those guys who are in Arizona right now, there aren't a lot of guys who are really lighting it up. And I don't feel they should try to protect them just to protect them.
0: Makes sense. I'm I'm actually glad you you finished with that because, and this is our final my final question I have for you. And this doesn't just pertain, or, you, or no, it's not specifically just with Zaidi. I mean, it could go back to the Harris before that, um, you know, or Evans. I'm sorry, not Harris, Bobby Evans. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and what I mean is, is issues with development. And I know you said you're not, you're not huge on player development, but I just want to get your thoughts on this. Issues with development and hitting a wall when players get to AAA. Do you believe the Giants struggle developing players throughout their minor league tenure? Uh, because I feel like it's been forever and this may be wrong, but I, I feel like there's been no such sure thing of a guy coming up who is going to uh, maybe not be a star, but like, you know, this is going to be pretty much an everyday major leaguer and he's going to contribute since what I can think of in like Joe panic. And I mean, that was like nine years ago. Um, do do the giants have an issue developing guys because they struggle A lot of them struggle once they get to Sacramento.
1: This is a great question and it's got a very complicated answer. Now, let me just say this personally. I don't think Joe panic was a sure thing either. Okay. Um, And part of the thing about sure things is there are almost no sure things. Giants have got one of the few guys that they've ever had. That's of that level right now, which is Marco. And he's been responding well. Um, Giants had Joey Bart, second overall pick, so he's got high expectations. And there were a lot of people who were still doubting him as he came up. Although he's come up, he is contributing. He's got a long way to go before he really proves himself totally. Sure, but yeah. the fan sentiment's definitely started to change on him as they've seen his development. Mm-hmm. And uh, to address your question, first of all, are they hitting a wall? Triple A? No, the walls are all over the place that they're hitting, uh, and we've seen that especially this year. But They're doing player development with some guys. And then other guys, it's just like, I don't know what's going on. And Joey Bart looks like a success story for player development because he definitely came into the system with flaws. No guy is a sure thing, even number two overall. And Bart was the consensus number two guy in that draft. But he was still a guy who's, he's got power. He's okay at defense. He's going to strike out a lot. And will he hit enough to make the power work? And that's pretty much the player we've seen, but he's improved his defense. He's got his using his arm to be aggressive as a defensive catcher. He's got a lot better making picks. He's still got a ways to go, but he's improved. And you've seen the hitting improve. And especially this year, you also saw the Giants address the mental side of it, which a lot of teams kind of just ignore. And honestly, a lot of fans ignore. And you've seen it work. And you've seen him really change over his minor league career and even within this season to really develop. And he's their best example of player development. But then you see a lot of guys who just don't. And you're looking at Luis Matos. You look at Will Bednar. You look at guys in the past. If you want to go back to uh, the Sabian uh, Evans years, you talk Gary Brown. Yeah, Gary Brown was the ultimate case of lighting up single A doesn't go to double A and do well. And with Brown, a part of it was an attitude issue. And you see interviews with him now. He admits he got cocky and he stopped listening to coaches. And the team didn't know how to deal with that. And to be honest, this is the thing about uh, prospects. Most of them are going to fail. They're going to fail at different points. And so... Uh, you know, being successful player development is often like hitting. It might be a 250 or 300 batting average. The Giants haven't been hitting that though, and that's a serious issue. Now, whether it's the player development in terms of how they're working with the guys that have come in like a guy like Matos, like a guy like Bednar, or whether it might be more of an issue of player acquisition. Um, There's been a lot of chatter behind the scenes that I've heard And I don't disagree. The Giants drafting is a little whack. And under Zaidi, you've got Kyle Harrison, who is looking like a superstar. Not a lot else. Schmidt's looking like he's got potential. Um, Sweeney's had his ups and downs. We definitely see potential there. Um, But all three first-round picks have had various issues of one kind or another. Yeah. Uh, I, and of course, we're accepting the guys from this year. Reggie Crawford just got on the field for the first time yesterday. So hope for the best, and hopefully this changes. But are the Giants bringing in the best guys? Is the system that they've got for their drafting and scouting right now working? And then you look on the international side, which is even more complicated. I don't know how you can throw assignment when players are making unofficial handshake agreements as adolescents years before they even turn 16 and can actually sign. And I I don't think there's anyone in the world that knows what 12-year-old is going to become a superstar. I'm sorry. That system needs, to, frankly, I believe it needs to change. I know, again, deeper discussions to be had there. Sure. But, again, you have not seen a lot of hits since that Bobby Evans year where you had Luciano, Matos, and Pomeris all in the same year, which was a fantastic haul. There have been no big splashes since then, which will happen. Ryan Reckley was the big signing this past uh, period, which I don't even know what year it was because it's so messed up after the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. right. he, he got in, he started playing at the BSL, and he really struggled for a couple of weeks, and we haven't seen him since. And I'm not sure what's up with him. There's been absolutely no news. Um, is it the player development? Is it the player acquisition? It's probably a bit of both. But the Giants' farm system is not in tip-top shape, and uh, something that we've heard is—or s- not heard, but something we're rumoring—we think there's going to be some fall guys in the organization this off-season, which would be a shame.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kevin, man, we we love having you on. Always, you can give Kevin uh, a, tw- a follow on Twitter at SF Futures. Uh, You can check out his uh, awesome website, too, giantfutures.com. Love going on there, checking on his reports um, of the minor league system. Uh, Yeah, man, excited. There's a month and a half left, basically, of major league ball and minor league ball. So uh, we'll have to keep in touch. And then, of course, uh, probably sometime this winter, we'd love to have you back on and check in with you again. So, Kevin, thanks for coming on. We always appreciate your time and your insights and love how you keep it real with us. We love that
1: always kevin thank you so much dude thank you guys for having me i always appreciate coming on i look forward to the next time
0: all right and with that we'll wrap uh for say hey rob and say hey doug thank you and go giants
1: go Giants. when the giants come to town it's bye bye baby every time